How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to another episode of EMS World Podcasts. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. In part two of our two-part series on the Verizon response team, we welcome back Mr. Curtis Menz to discuss response and recovery and how these topics integrate into the Verizon response team concept. Curtis Menz is a manager for the Verizon response team, and in episode one, we discussed the VRT concept, makeup, and how preparedness is such a major part of their team as they stand ready to mobilize at a moment's notice. Curtis, welcome back to EMS World Podcasts. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. So preparation is the key to successful response and recovery. With that said, however, response, right, wrong, or indifferent, seems to always elicit a different emotional response in the public servant. When the bell rings, adrenaline kicks in, and it just gets to be go time. I assume, and maybe I'm just being presumptive, but that is the same that occurs with your team as well? Yeah, uh, certainly similar aspect, no question about it. And, you know, preparedness is key, as we spoke in the in the previous uh, podcast. And in, during those blue sky days, we are always checking equipment. We are always uh, figuring out uh, what applications we need, what, uh, uh, what new technology certainly is a, a key component. And, uh, you know, the preparedness piece is, is absolutely key because so many people rely on us. But, you know, as we pivot over to uh, the response piece, um, yeah, I would say there are some, you know, similar emotions as when we, when we take that call and being a rapid response organization of dedicated men and women on the Verizon response team. Yeah, we, we certainly have that, that, that same run to the crisis uh, type of mentality. And so, and there's really no, um, uh, you know, there's a, we know from experience different uh, communication situations we're getting into. I, I do like to say we are experts and uh, brilliant in solving those routine and complex communication challenges. And with lots of experience on our team, well over 200 years of experience, um, we, we have situations and we've been in scenarios where we know how to apply that uh, concept of, again, solving those routine and complex communication challenges. But uh, that, uh, we, we do have that, that same feeling where we need to rapidly respond to the field and uh, assist those folks who need um, wireless communication. Yeah, absolutely. And, and technological support is, is so important in our industry. Between telemetry, patient tracking, interoperability, the list goes on and on. We always need to have a contingency when, when we're in the thick of an operation. And the Verizon response team is just that, the, the contingency platform for mission-critical communications. So let's be honest. We have some truly unprecedented events over the last few years in this country. Uh, you can start right at the top with the pandemic. Curtis, what was 
the role of the VRT or what role did the VRT play in some of these events recently, whether planned or emergent? Yeah, so uh, we can go ahead and, and you know, talk about the, the pandemic. What's interesting about that, uh, our first uh, response to that was by um, government agency, uh, federal government agency who called on us for communications. And this was actually happening the end of January of 2020, meaning we didn't really have a grasp on how this pandemic was going to play out or quite frankly, really what it was. So uh, I vividly recall responding to a uh, air reserve base as uh, uh, folks were being evacuated from uh, Wuhan, China. What was interesting there is that we got a call and it was a request for uh, wireless communications at this uh, air base. So we set that system up. And what's interesting, Mike, is that I really view our pandemic response on on four different levels. It was the evacuation back in the end of January of 2020. And then we moved into mobile hospitals or pop-up hospitals at community centers, at fairgrounds, where you would walk into an expo hall and you would see 300 beds. And the the need there was for the medical professionals um, providing care to the folks in that uh, expo hall, let's say at a fairgrounds. You know, they were outfitted with iPads and uh, and other tablets and things like that, where they needed to connect to the internet to do patient care reports and and things of that nature. So then we, of course, we went from uh, the evacuation of uh, folks to the pop-up hospitals. Then we went to testing centers and we were getting calls from uh, county medical authorities and medical agencies asking for wireless communication setups for testing centers. And that could be um, in in the large parking lots of a, a stadium, uh, a professional sports stadium, where they were actually bringing, uh, asking people to come in from a testing. And then we pivoted over to vaccination uh, and uh, really in a same approach where folks were lining up in their cars. Uh, I remember one specifically in Southern California. I mean, at one point, it was the largest um, uh, setup in the United States. And certainly, you know, as as other uh, vaccination uh, scenarios or situations uh, came about, then, you know, it became the, the norm around the country. So really, the 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 pandemic portion of it, uh, we supported so many different agencies, but you know it's just not with the pandemic. Also, I mean, we've got uh, lots of expertise in responding to hurricanes, tornadoes, and me being from California, from a fire perspective, and uh, you know we we've got a lot of experience helping those uh, public safety professionals and first responders to help supplement their existing uh, communication resources. 
Yeah, and as I said, these past two, two and a half years, three years have just been overwhelming. So I'm curious, with all of the different areas of the pandemic response that you were speaking about and being so protracted as a national emergency and then compounding that with wildfires and hurricanes and tropical storms, was it overwhelming for your team over the last few years? We did an excellent job. And um, having a national program that covers all 50 states, um, we have, if you will, within our, within our teams uh, around the country, almost like a national mutual aid program, internal, internal mutual aid program, where we're able to move um, resources and communication uh, elements all throughout the United States swiftly to make sure that we can uh, meet the needs of all the requests coming in. Were we busy? There's no question about it. Uh, Were there long hours? No question about it. But uh, we were able to meet the expectations of government agencies and certainly the military, uh, the great men and women of the various branches of the military, where they were setting up, uh, especially those pop-up hospitals around the country, but military bases where the numbers just are so exponentially larger than maybe a a local community. So um, busy, no question about it, but we, we achieved our mission and uh, we ensured that we provided that very, very valuable wireless communication and in many cases, a Wi-Fi connection for uh, a lot of the medical personnel to uh, get their job done. It's certainly impressive. And in keeping with the plan versus the emergent type response, you know, we speak about some of these, uh, the vaccine sites or the, or the testing sites as opposed to a wildfire response. I'm curious, how is it different? Do you stand up differently for those types of things uh, with respect to a planned event or, or, or a planned operation as opposed to basically a no-notice event with a, a wildfire or a hurricane? Yeah, so um, so certainly with the, the pandemic response, um, in, in many cases there, uh, maybe not in that first element where the evacuations were going on in uh, they were, quite frankly, landing large aircraft at that uh, um, air base in Southern California. But uh, with the other, uh, with the other aspects of the pandemic, sure, we had some time in advance. Uh, while we did have a short window to set up and provide that wireless communication and that solution in the field, um, you know, we were able to maybe stand with someone from an uh, from an Office of Emergency Services from a particular county or um, a state organization and actually, you know, while on the fly, come up with the plan on what exactly they needed. So we did have that ability when we were doing the the pop-up hospitals, the testing and the vaccination. You know, comparing that from a, a fire perspective, you know, the, when we are called in on uh, going to a perhaps a spike camp where, you know, you're much closer to the action or even an incident command base or a fire base camp, you know, the, the operation is, is going 
meaning when we show up to provide some type of support to a, let's call it a fire base camp, the incident is going, it is operational, there's people moving around all with, um, you know, a, a very, um, you know, directed type of response on what their roles and responsibilities are. And then we just integrate or blend our resources into, you know, an operation like that. So, you know, the, the notice and no notice events, um, you know, we, we tend to solve them the same, but we certainly need to react a little bit differently, um, you know, in regards to them. But, uh, you know, we, we work very closely with the requesting agency and organization or hospital network, quite frankly. And, um, you know, we, we are there to solve those routine and complex communication challenges. So I think you've done a great job taking us through the preparedness aspect of this right through the operational component of it. And I'd like to pivot a little bit now towards the recovery. And so when the incident is over, how does the team start to process what just occurred? And how does that fit into the recovery element of an incident, both for you as the team and the community or the population that was just impacted? Yeah. So, you know, I and the team, you know, we review the recovery or after action portion of it, probably as equally important as the, the preparedness piece, simply because uh, during, during the incident, we have the ability to integrate with lots of different agencies and organizations. We find out what's important to them. And if we have, uh, if we're presented with a challenge that uh, we are working on and we might have had to do, um, you know, perhaps some type of workaround to meet their expectations, we, we work and it or post-event uh, the AARs or after action reports um, is, are very, very important to us. We do them internally within the Verizon response team so that we're able to be better prepared the next time around. We always learn from every single deployment. We always learn and uh, we do these AARs, just not within the response team, but we have so many different departments within Verizon that also get involved that may not be that in the field rapid response portion of it. So working holistically with all of the folks and all the different departments within Verizon, we just get better as a company. Uh, and it's it's really important to you know learn from those elements uh, in the field. Yeah, and you and you certainly mentioned a few buzzwords that obviously captures the listener's ear, and that's hot wash and after action reports. Those are all things that we do uh, regularly in our industry. And and I'm curious, do you take those? reports that you you folks do and integrate back into the municipality or or the agency that you assisted so that there is that type of closed loop communication so that things can be corrected and things can be changed moving forward yeah absolutely no question about it and in fact there there are occasions where we are invited meaning the the folks and members of the Verizon response team are invited into the after action uh, report meetings from the agency themselves. Um, I recall participating in you know, uh, some of those 
where we are invited in and we are just a, uh, as a public utility, there might be the power company, the water company, and uh, telecommunication companies that participate in those uh, meetings or after action reports. But certainly completing that loop is is so key. There's one thing to be said about uh, being, you know, working in a vacuum or within your own organization and, you know, learning, you know, how to get better at something, but it's equally more important in sharing that information uh, with agencies and organizations, many of them being our customers. And what's interesting about our Verizon response team is that there is absolutely no cost for our services. Uh, there is There are no rental fees or any type of fees associated with calling on us to help an agency or organization. And you don't need to be a customer of Verizon. We know that the mission out there is to help that public safety agency and uh, and perhaps that community. And, uh, you know, we're there in that good corporate citizen role and giving back to the communities that we do business in. So uh, no cost and you don't need to be a customer, but we do like to uh, close that loop with agencies and organizations. No question about it. Yeah, and you make such a good point, a valid point here. The closing closing the loop is everything uh, nowadays. We used to train individually. We used to write um, we used to write response plans individually, and the integrated approach is everything now. Because we realize when you respond to something like this, it involves everybody, including telecommunications, utilities, things like that, which is its own support function. It's ESF two. And, you know, we're so used to focusing on ESF-8, the medical component of this, but you need to wrap all of these response, uh, these response entities in because they are the ones that are going to be working together. So the, the things that you point out here are just so valid. And I believe that the awareness part is, is really such an important part to this because making these um, municipalities, these agencies, and these public servants aware of this resource is what's going to make this resource better. And so, you know, I really do applaud Verizon uh, being great, great um, partners in in the way we do business. And the fact that there's no cost to this is fantastic. But I, I would caution, and I should say, and, and I'm sure that you will expand upon this, this should not be something that is relied upon as a primary resource. You know, you had mentioned in the preparedness podcast that this supplements or augments the, the platforms that we have in place. There's a supply and demand issue here. We can't just rely on this specifically. It's there as a contingency, correct? Yeah, certainly no question about it. I think, you know, uh, an agency really needs to take that uh, inward look at uh, their continuity plan and what they uh, have available. And we can certainly help an agency or organization uh, with that. And I have personally participated in, you know, many different uh, meetings with different government agencies, volunteer organizations in, in when they ask me, hey, where should we start? Or what, what is a good way to have? Well, or, or a good way to move forward from a continuity perspective. And I would always, you know, the, the very basics are having a baseline amount of equipment and more importantly, testing, 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 testing that equipment 
and uh, you know exercising it and making sure that when it works when you need it. So um, yeah, that is you know the 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 preparedness piece, not from a Verizon response per- perspective, but from an agency perspective, is absolutely key. We're there to help the communities and help the agencies. Well, Curtis Smith, this two-part series has been incredibly enlightening to me, and and certainly I hope to the listener as well. I want to thank Verizon, and of course yourself, for coming on and speaking about this resource that is so valuable to our industry and potentially game-changing. Yeah, Mike, really appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation. I encourage everyone to read up on it a little bit more at www.verizon.com forward slash response team. And I implore decision makers to start incorporating the VRT into your contingency planning, as it would be silly not to. Curtis, once again, many thanks and thank you for listening. I'm Mike McCabe, and I'll catch you next time on another EMS World Podcast. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.